Hey, Anna, remember that time Vincent Van Gogh was a priest for like a hot minute? historical podcast i'm your host anna webb and i'm your host amanda webb this is a podcast where two sisters totally geek out about all of their favorite moments in history and this week i'm going to be telling you all about vincent van gogh and i'm gonna put a hard disclaimer right here (laughs) i know that i said that name wrong i'm gonna say it wrong the whole time because i can't say it correctly and i'm probably gonna say everything else wrong because it's all dutch and french so (laughs) (laughs) we're we're ignorant americans get over it Duchess of something I can't pronounce is going to be the story of my life this episode because it is (laughs) all Dutch and French. (laughs) Dutch is difficult. It's very difficult. And I can fudge some of the French because I like know like what like the rules of French. I took French in high school. I can Mm -hmm. bluff my way through that. But the Dutch is just like, who knows? I once spoke with a Dutch person who tried to teach me um, about how to pronounce... um, dutch names and uh i I immediately forgot everything they told me Uh uh-huh but it was very fascinating i know that van gogh's last name is actually pronounced like you're like hacking up a lung but i can't do that with my mouth (laughs) van gogh yeah but it's not even that that's just how the british do it it's more extreme i know (laughs) and i can't even fathom getting there so i'm just gonna hang out and i'm gonna call him van gogh because that's what i learned and that's how my brain can do it (laughs) it's totally fine (laughs) that's just my little rant to start the episode i know i'm saying his name wrong i promise (laughs) um would you like to know what i'm drinking today but of course i'm back on that peach tea grind this is becoming a favorite a summertime beverage or just anytime it's so good nice i'm drinking water (laughs) shock one of these days i'm not (laughs) gonna drink water you said it so enthusiastically i'm drinking water one of these days i'm not gonna drink water and the world's gonna crash down around us Mm -hmm. i have to talk a lot this episode i need water you know how it goes yeah but i still don't drink water (laughs) i just don't drink enough water like in general ever (laughs) i can feel that i can relate i'm a millennial i'm permanently dehydrated (laughs) oh jeez All right, well, should we get into our old buddy Vincent's life? Yeah. All right. Vincent Van Gogh is born on March 30th, 1853, in the village of, here we go, Zundert, I think? Sure. In a southern province of the Netherlands. He is born to Theodorus Van Gogh, who is a Dutch Reformed minister, and Anna Carbentis. I think. (laughs) I don't know why you're saying it like a question. I don't know any better than you do. I know. I know. The only thing I know about the Dutch is that their football kits are amazing. (laughs) And I love them. Nice. Uh, His parents, I found this very interesting, actually had a stillborn son that they named Vincent exactly one year before Vincent was born. Like, to the day. Why would you use the same name? Because I don't know. I don't know. It, well, it was a fan, like, half of the people in his family are named Vincent. Uh, well, I guess, but... <laughs> yeah. All right. Vincent goes on to have three sisters and two brothers, Anna, Theo, Wilhelmina, Lys, and Cor. Uh, later in life, Vincent would only stay in touch with Theo and Wilhelmina, who they usually called Will. Right. 
And I think that that's in order. I've seen them listed like a thousand different ways, but that's from the, like the Van Gogh Museum. I think that's the order they were born. Anyway, uh, Vincent was taught by a governess in their home until he was sent to the village school in 1860. In 1864, he is sent away to a boarding school in Sevenbergen. That's a fun one. <laughs> <laughs> he feels abandoned here and asked to come home, but after he finishes elementary school here, his parents send him to a middle school in Tilburg, so they keep him in boarding school, which sucks because he was, like, very sad and very alone, but also, like, that was probably the best opportunity for him for school. I mean, I get, like, why they sent him off, you know? Yeah, it's almost like he had depression or something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, interesting that you say that, huh? Mm-hmm. Hmm. Uh, while in school, Vincent shows some early interest in talent and art, but it's very casual at this point. Like, you know, it's just mostly his art classes, but he appears to be pretty good at it from a pretty young age. Vincent leaves school and returns home when he's 15 years old. Like, he drops out and he never comes back. And he did pretty well in school, but I think it really was just that he was, like, really lonely and super didn't like it and wanted to come home, so he did. Uh, When he is 16, his uncle, who is also named Vincent... (laughs) So many Vincents. So it begins. um, Got him an internship with the art dealers Goupil and C. Vincent begins training with them in the... I think it's Hague. Hague, that's the one. In... Yeah, In 1873, Vincent is transferred to the group's branch in London, and in that same year, Theo also starts working for Goupil and C in their Brussels branch. And this is around the time when the brothers begin writing to each other, which was a huge part of both of their lives. they were very close. Yes, and is basically the only reason that we know anything at all about Vincent's life, is these letters. Right. Theo Theo saved every single letter that Vincent ever sent to him. Aww. Vincent didn't save all of his letters. He saved most of them, but he didn't save all of them. But Theo saved every single one, and we know basically everything about Vincent's life because of that. Theo's a pack rat, like me. <laughs> Sentimental dude. I appreciate him. Theo's a good dude. Yes. Theo's a great character in this story. <laughs> yeah. So during his time in London, Vincent became more interested in both art and religion. So he spends a lot of time, like, going to museums and, like, learning about art properly and not just, like, I'm a kid who draws, you mm. know? In 1875, he is transferred to Paris. Uh, Vincent starts growing restless and, like... It's like the more he learns about art, the more frustrated he gets with how like inaccessible it is Ugh. and ha- working with the the these like art dealers. He doesn't like it anymore, which is that's my man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he knows what's up. Um and a year later he leaves Goupil and C. It seemed pretty mutual. He gets like dismissed, but they it in all of the writing it seemed like they both were just like yeah you don't really want to do this job anymore you should probably leave and he was like yep you're right so he goes in 1876 vincent goes back to england and works as an unpaid teacher's assistant in a boarding school in ramsgate he then gets a paid position at a private school run by a vicar near london like it was something like the vicar was working at that school where he was unpaid and then they moved and he followed him and Uh, found like a paid position there. I see. Yeah. Um, He's occasionally allowed to preach while working at this school, which he loves because he's getting real deep into religion, but it ends up like not really working out sort of for a thousand reasons. Just he was 
poor and he didn't like England that much. So during this time when he's working in England, he goes home to his parents' house for Christmas. They're now living in Eton? Eton? Uh, I don't know. Dutch. (laughs) Um, And his parents convince him not to go back to England after, like, the Christmas holidays. And he decides that's, like, the best call. He doesn't like it there and he's not going anywhere. So he decides to return home. Uh, Good old Uncle Vincent. The other Back at it again. Same uncle as before, but a different Vincent than our Vincent. Right, the other Vincent. Um, finds him a job at a bookshop in Dordrecht. That was pretty good. I'm going I with think. that one. I felt felt pretty confident about that one. I mean, I, that I have no authority, but it sounded good <laughs> to me. Vincent is unhappy at this job and wants to become a pastor. So this is when he starts getting into that religious life, which is very interesting time for him. Um, and it's also reaching the point where, like, he's, I think, 24 at this time. And his parents are, like, getting kind of restless because he doesn't really have a solid job and Ugh. he's not We've getting married. We've all been there, Vincent. Yeah. <laughs> and so they, like, don't really love the idea of him co- becoming a pastor because they don't really think it, like, fits. But they want him to do something, so they sort of help him along. So in 1877, Vincent goes to live with a different uncle, uh, Johann Stricker in Amsterdam. Johann is a theologian and helps Vincent prepare for the entrance exam for the University of Amsterdam's theological program. And Vincent, unfortunately, failed the exam. Oh, poor Vincent. Because he wasn't a very, he wasn't a very apt student. He didn't really want to study. He wasn't studious. He just like, no. no, he didn't, he didn't find it terribly important to sit down and learn everything about religion he just wanted to participate in it and he wanted to like preach he was very passionate about it but he didn't really have any desire to like be in a classroom setting you know and i get each other (laughs) i love him wavelength the buzzfeed unsolved video that they did on him recently described him as just like a very early millennial and i love that that's basically what he is Mm -hmm. he's got that same energy yeah so in 1879 Vincent moves to the mining region of Bourgenay in Belgium to become a lay preacher. Vincent has a heart for the miners of the region and opens up his home and gives his possessions to the homeless and the poor of the area. Like, they gave him this, like, real nice house, like, sometimes preachers will get. And he was like, nah. And he just gave it to a bunch of homeless people and then went and lived in a shack and slept on, like, a straw bed. Good old Vincent. Yeah, he rules. He's the best. Because of this, he gets the nickname the Christ of the Coal Mine, (laughs) which I had never heard until I was doing this research, but I really like that. Sounds like a West Virginia nickname. It does. It's very, yeah. Well, and it's also very reminiscent of our old pal, John Wesley, because he worked with a lot of coal miners, too, Mm -hmm. which I appreciate. Mm -hmm. Oh, uh, this is a side note that I forgot to put in my notes, but when he was hopping around from job to job a little while ago, he worked as a Methodist's uh, assistant for a minute. We really have a theme. It haunts us. <laughs> I read that and I was like, you have to be kidding We're me. Not There's no possible way. We're doing it on way. purpose, I swear. <laughs> it haunts us. <laughs> anyway, this is, oh, this is fun. The church authorities dismiss him because they think that his interactions with the poor undermine the dignity of the priesthood. I- I'm sorry, aren't, aren't you supposed to give up your worldly possessions uh-huh. and care for the poor when uh-huh. you're a priest? Uh-huh. 
Uh-huh, uh-huh, Isn't uh-huh. that the whole thing? Isn't that the whole point? I totally and thought like, that was their gig. Like, they basically become one of the poor, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Should okay. be. It should be. Okay, just But checking. he was like, you know, he was being like an actual Christian <laughs> and giving his possessions to the poor and helping other human beings and not really caring that much about how important it is to like... Like, nuns take a vow of poverty. Isn't I it similar know. for the priesthood? It should be. Okay. It wasn't because they, a lot of people were in it for the money, which is wild. But anyway, so this is when Vincent stops being a preacher because that sucked a lot. So in 1880, Theo tells Vincent that he should seriously consider making art his career. So, like, in all of Vincent's letters to Theo, he would, like, draw sketches and stuff. There's pictures of, like, the church that he worked at that he drew Mm -hmm. and sent in a letter to Theo. And Theo is still working with um, Goupil and C. And so he sees art all the time. And he sees that there's, like, a potential in Vincent and that he should, if he took it seriously, he could do really amazing stuff. And so Theo is the one who finally tells him, like, this should be your job. You should do it. Once again... Theo is my main man. <laughs> Theo's the one. So Vincent moves to Brussels and starts attending a school for art there. Around this time, Theo starts sending Vincent money to help him live while he attempts to start his art career. And this will continue on for the rest of Vincent's life. Right. It makes Vincent very uncomfortable. He doesn't want to be a burden to his brother, but like also he very much needs it because he has no job. And so and his, he sort of just his, accepts that fate. And his brother doesn't mind doing it. Not at all. Yeah. And at first it wasn't, like, constant. It was, like, every now and then he would send him some money and say, make sure you eat, get some supplies. Right. Like, he was just re- trying to look out for him. And, like, yeah, he he did it completely of his own volition. Like, he didn't – and Vincent never asked for money. Theo just was like, I want to see you do this and I'm going to help support you. Right. Which is incredible. He is the greatest. So in 1881, Vincent moves back to Eaton to live with his parents while he works on his art. (sighs) This is a fun little tidbit. (laughs) During that year, his cousin, Key Vostricker, who is uh, Johan's daughter, and her eight-year-old son come to visit Vincent's parents. And during this time, Vincent falls madly in love with Key and proposes to her, which is like, but <laughs> listen, I get it wasn't like that weird for cousins, whatever. Yeah, but that doesn't make it not a weird thing. Yeah. And she was like seven years older than him, which again, wasn't that weird, but like she had a kid, you know, yeah. Ugh. She refuses him, obviously, because she's like, no, I'm good. I'm a grown woman with a child. I'm fine. Thank you. Which was a good call because he was like a 20-year-old idiot. (laughs) Just out here trying his hardest. How was he going to support a woman and her child? I don't know. I don't know. He was living with his parents. And he was like, do you want to marry me maybe? And she was like, uh, no. You want to live here with me and my parents? (laughs) Yeah, like, do you want to roam the country with me for a while like no i'm good i have a child to support thank you very much thanks also okay thanks bye so vincent's pursuing of his cousin and his so far unsuccessful work as an artist 
are hard on Vincent's parents, obviously. <laughs> it's tough to have to support him. And they have, like, a little falling out, and he moves out of the house at the end of 1881 and moves back to The Hague. Is that what we decided? Yeah, I think so. Okay, cool. When Vincent returns to The Hague, he meets up with his second cousin, Anton Mauve, who is a successful artist. And it is excellent that his job is an artist and his last name is Mauve. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate that a lot. I love when people's names match their job. It's my favorite. So Mauve teaches Vincent and helps him develop as an artist. He, like, gives him an assignment of, like, 12 paintings of the area that they're living in. And it's what teaches Vincent, like, perspective and, like, all of that interesting stuff. That important art stuff. Um, also, I looked it up, and it is Hag. It says, rhymes hey. with plague. Party. We did it. <laughs> Party. <laughs> Party. So, in 1882, Mauve and Vincent have a falling out, and Vincent begins living with his lover and a former prostitute, Sien Hornick. I can't pronounce either of those names. That's fun. Um... Who was pregnant and had a five-year-old daughter at the time that they moved what in together. What is with him? He, I mean... I mean, I know what's with him. I don't know why he asks. It's going through He's it. Depressed. <laughs> He's depressed. He's um, Vincent's family disapproves of this relationship and pressures him to leave her. Yeah. And he leaves in 1883 and moves to Drenthe. I read somewhere that it was like he wanted to like move out of the city with her and help her get away from prostitution and like live a life but when money got tight she like went back to doing mm -hmm. that work because that's what she did and he was finally like uh you know what i think i should probably leave this relationship <laughs> at least he got himself out of it that time yeah so vincent paints a while for in drenth at, but he gets really lonely he like which is common for him everywhere he goes when he starts to get like restless it's because he's lonely mm -hmm. he doesn't do well on his own um and he moves back in with his parents who are now living in union in 1884 and 1885 vincent paints scenes of the peasant life in union he paints potato eaters love during this one. time i love that painting it's very famous also during this time he paints a very cool painting of a skeleton smoking a cigarette have you seen this oh painting? yes yeah because a lot of people don't know that that's his and it's so dope. It's very different from his other it's, stuff. It's a very cool yeah. painting. <laughs> it's like when you look at it next to his other stuff, it's very obviously his. But if you weren't thinking about it, you'd be like, I did not know that he painted right. that. Yeah. So while he's working in Nunyan, Vincent starts sending his paintings to Theo so Theo can attempt to sell and show his paintings in Paris. Because he wants the money that he's getting from Theo to be like for his work. So he's attempting to sell his work. Right. His paintings don't do well in Paris because he's painting in, like, darker earth tones during this time, and the French preferred more color. Classic French. Classic French. Am I right? <laughs> Insist on it being more colorful. <laughs> I love that disgusted, like, ugh. Like, just, I love the French, but that is just so French. Yeah, it really is. So in 1885, Vincent moves to Antwerp. 
he sends almost all of the money that, or he spends, sorry, almost all of the money that Theo sends him on supplies for art and doesn't take very good care of himself during this time. I read somewhere that his diet consisted of, like, coffee, bread, and cigarettes. Sounds like me, except not the cigarette part. (laughs) It's like coffee and muffins. I'm doing great. (laughs) He wrote to Theo once that he couldn't remember, he could remember maybe, like, six hot meals in the last, like, year of his life. That's sort of where he's at. Mm -hmm. Uh, At this time, he begins taking classes at the Academy of Fine Arts in Antwerp, but stops attending them because he gets into fights with his instructors regularly. Well, (laughs) that makes sense, though, based on his attitude toward art and wanting it to be more accessible and you know art professors at least at that time and in that place did not have the same view of art totally well and they would also like in they would assign something and say like you know paint this or this is what we're doing or this is the style we're doing and he wouldn't do it like that or he would take what they told him to do and put some kind of like spin on it and they didn't like that he did that it's like he's an artist or something it's like he's an artist really or something weird. yeah well not just that he's an artist an artist with a very clear sense of like what he wanted to paint and what he wanted it to look like and like i get that a lot of people who were probably going to classes then were like still trying to find that but he like very from the minute he started painting like very much knew what his style was and what he wanted it to look like and that evolves over time but only when it like comes naturally to him not when somebody like forces it on him so he just kind of stops going to classes he doesn't get kicked out or anything he just is like you know what i don't uh really need this in my life so bye not for him in 1886 he moves to paris to live with theo and to study with ferdinand corman uh i i was reading that like him and Theo had been talking about moving in together, and Theo was looking for a bigger place for them to live. And then Vincent just showed up one day and was like, hi, I'm in Paris now. Um, I'll be there soon. Sorry uh, to surprise you, but I decided it was time. <laughs> and we can figure it out from here, which is very them. Hey, brother. <laughs> knock, knock. What's up? <laughs> Sorry for dropping in. I'm here now. Let's go. <laughs> so Theo is still working for Goupil and C., and introduced Vincent to many Parisian artists, including Claude Monet. I got this one. Do it for me. Henri de Toulouse-Lautrec. Beautiful. That's one of my favorites. Oh, I, I heard Henri, because you have yeah, to do Henri. the French. Yeah, Henri de Toulouse-Lautrec. Uh, it's I a love great his last name. name. I also love his last name. Every time I read it, I am delighted. Um, and Emile Bernard. Uh, While he's in Paris, Vincent is influenced by the art of the area and the Japanese woodcuts that he had become interested in. Oh, I can totally see that. Yes, and his palette begins to become, like, brighter. This is when he starts introducing more color. Mm -hmm. This man was obsessed with these Japanese woodcuts. He collected, like, hundreds of them. He had a ton of them. Mm -hmm. And he started, like, um, framing his paintings. Right. With, like, the silk stuff that the Japanese would frame their art with. And it's, like, very weird to see them because it's, like, very much Vincent's style. But then it's, like... It's, like, East meets West. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's weird to see them like that. But it's, like, makes a lot of sense. It Like, you can clearly see where that style comes into his own. Uh, 
1888, which was the year that the Jack the Ripper was running around, by the way. I can't see that year and not think of it. It all connects. I just, every time I see 1888, it's Mm -hmm. all I can think of. Anyway. Vincent was exhausted and unwell from living in the city, so he decides it's time to not be in Paris anymore. He was very, like, successful while he was there. He was, like, with a bunch of other artists and was creating a lot of cool stuff. Even... Yeah, and even got, like, some of his stuff into some galleries, and it was, like, good, but it was, city life was just, like, way too overwhelming for him, and he couldn't live with it. There's a self-portrait of him, and in a letter he wrote to, I think, his sister, he said, like, to me it is, like, the face of death in that painting. He was just so, like, burnt out from the city. Mm. So, he moves to Arles in the south of France. Uh, He starts to heavily introduce yellow into his palette while he's here because there's lots of that color, like, around him. But it's also just, like, this is the time when that starts becoming, like, his signature thing. Yeah, all of my favorites of his are are heavily uh, yellow. yellow. Yeah. I totally agree. I am the same way. (laughs) So he has this dream of creating an art colony in Oh, now he's becoming a hippie. It's just like anybody can come and live there, and we just like all express ourselves, and there's no wrong way to do it. I like that you said now he's becoming a hippie, even though he's kind of been one the whole time. He's just been wandering. No, he's been a nomad. He has not been a hippie. He's not yet been a hippie. It's just an art collective, you know? It's like (laughs) we all live here and live off the land, and we create art. And anything is art. If you say it's art, it's art. <laughs> See that tree over there? Art. Art. <laughs> Put a bird on it. <laughs> Put a bird on it? It's art. <laughs> <laughs> I like this character. Thank you. I think her name is like Sandrine. Ooh, I like She's Sandrine. And her daughter's name is Sunshine. No, her daughter's name is, like, Earth. Earth. Because <laughs> Sunshine, like, could be a name. Like, Earth could not. So her name's, like, Earth. That's so true. Yeah. That's so true. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> In a letter to Theo, Vincent writes, You know I've always thought it was ridiculous for painters to live alone. You always lose when you're isolated. Which is just uh, perfectly captures his whole life. Like, it's very he... um, prophetic for him. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, all of his writings are very prophetic. Yeah. Uh, he has some of my favorite quotes, like, ever. <laughs> he's, he's, you can just tell that his mind is like, I don't know, something else. Because he always yeah. writes like that, and it's always beautiful. He was a genius. He was a genius. Vincent rents four rooms in the yellow house, which is, you know, like, this boarding house that he has painted, <laughs> very famously. And he was hoping to use them to create rooms and studios for his colony. So some of his very, very famous paintings that he paints during this time are uh, Bedroom in Arles, Cafe Terrace at Night, and Mm. The Yellow House, and one of his series of sunflowers. He did a series of sunflowers when he was in Paris, and then he did another series when he was in Arles. And he planned on using all of those to decorate the studio in The Mm. Yellow House. So while Vincent was in Paris, he met the painter Paul Gauguin. He and Theo convince Gogan to come visit Vincent and Arles and paint with him for a while. 
And it took like a lot of convincing to get this fool here. I don't really know why. He was like, yeah, I'm all for like working together, but I can't come yet. I can't come yet. And Theo had to like pay for his train ticket. He was like, that's oh, okay, why. I guess I'll go now. Yeah, that's yeah. why. But he was like, okay, I guess I'll go now. Eh. Gogan arrives in Arles in October of 1888. The two painted together for the next few months. They had very different ideas about how to work. Like, Vincent was very convinced of, like, painting what he saw. Right. It had to be, like, in front of him. And then he put, like, his embellishments on it. But he always painted, like, what he was seeing right in front well, of him. Well, he would go out to places with yes. his supplies and sit and paint. He liked to be he out. He landscape and seeing things in, like, natural light and that sort and of thing. And being in nature was very important to him and... He liked working with people, so he liked doing portraits, like, with people there in front of him, you know. Um, but Gogan was very, like, paint from your mind. He was more creatively minded, I guess. I don't know. He was more, like, imaginative, I guess. Yeah. And, like, there's a pa- there are paintings that Vincent did during this period that's Vincent's chair and Gogan's chair. And, yes, like, I've seen those. In Vincent's, there's, like... I can't remember what's in Vincent's, but Gogan's has, like, a book and a candle and a lamp, and it's, like, all him sitting in that chair and thinking it up, but Vincent's is, like, onions, they're, like, earthy, and, like, all of this, like, solid stuff, you know? It's very interesting. Isn't there, like, a pipe sitting on the chair? Yes. Yes, that's it. I couldn't remember what all was. So because they had these very different ideas and they were supposed to be working together here, it created a lot of tension between them. So in December of 1888, Gogan was threatening to leave Arles and the two were arguing constantly. So on December 23rd, 1888, after they were arguing, Gogan left to go on a walk. And he didn't say this right after the event, but about 15 years later when he wrote his like novel of his life... Um, he would later say that Vincent threatened him with a razor during their argument. And that night, after their argument, Vincent cuts off his own left ear. Ah, yes. Yeah, it's very sad. He wraps it in a newspaper and gives it to a prostitute at a brothel that he and Gogan had frequented. Sure. Which is the saddest part of this to me. I don't know why. That just, like, really bumps me out. It makes me really sad for him. bummer of a detail. It makes me... It just makes me sad for him, you know? Yeah. Like, buddy. (laughs) Vincent is found unconscious the next morning and is admitted to the hospital, obviously. Sure. Sure. Uh, Theo leaves Paris to rush to Vincent's side as soon as he hears that he's in the hospital. Vincent has little to no memory of cutting his ear off, but the doctor who treated him, Felix Ray, would later illustrate the wound and the angle of the cut made it clear that the wound was self-inflicted. In, like, a letter to another doctor, he draws this, like, diagram, and there's, like, a dotted line where the cut right. was, and you can tell that it was, like, he held it out and he cut it off, you it know? It takes a lot of, like, physical strength and mental determination, because, you, like, your instinct is that fight or flight thing, where it's, like, yes, no, like, you jerk your head away, you know? Yeah. Like, so it tells you very, very clearly what a state he right. was in, you know? Like, how hurt he was feeling you know like well and probably dissociating a lot too very he was no way he was absolutely there's no way you could do that if you were fully in your own consciousness 
Uh-huh. I've heard I've heard and read that he was like hearing voices and that's why he cut it off, but I don't see that in most of the like official stuff. I don't know. It, it's unclear why he did it, obviously. Yeah. We'll never know. But, you know. I don't I don't yeah, I don't really buy the hearing voices thing. That to me sounds like someone editorializing trying to make him sound me like too. A tor- more of a tortured artist, which I hate. Yeah. Uh, like to me, everything else just points to like severe clinical depression. Yeah, but I'm and not that a he was dissociate, and he was dissociating. Right. You know, like he wasn't in a state, and for some reason, in that state, he convinced himself that that was the thing right. he should do. You know, like yeah. So Ray believed that Vincent's episode was some form of epilepsy, like because they didn't really understand how the brain right. worked 100 percent then. Um. And so this is a theory you'll see a lot, is that it was some form of epilepsy. Uh, But at the hospital, Vincent is diagnosed with acute mania and generalized delirium, which is kind of the only language they had Mm -hmm. then for what he was More like a bipolar disorder. Yeah. Yes. It's a pretty apt descriptor uh, of what he was experiencing for the um, language they had at the time. I would call it, you know, that's that's about right. I mean... (laughs) And he was believed to be having an acute mental breakdown when he cut off his ear, obviously. Uh, After checking on Vincent, Theo returns to Paris to be with his new fiancé, Joe Bonger. And Gauguin also returns to Paris Paris very shortly after Theo does. He was like, I'm out. (laughs) Can't, this is too much for me. Oh, he very much was like, I'm out. I remember him, like, telling someone, like, don't tell him I've gone or it'll work him right. up again or, like, wait. So he was, you know, he wasn't, like, cool, no. but he also ha- had been planning on leaving for a while and there was clearly no reason for right. him to be there after that. Like, yeah. In January of 1889, Vincent left the hospital and returned to the Yellow House to continue painting. He spends the next few months in and out of the hospital because of his hallucinations and, like, dissociative episodes. So he'll go a little while being all right and then needing to be in the hospital for a little bit Mm -hmm. and so on and so forth for the next few months. This makes me, this next part makes me very, very, Mm -hmm. very sad. In March, 30 of the townspeople and his neighbors sign a petition to have him removed from the Yellow House. They call him the red-headed madman and are afraid of him and want him gone. And this, I cried when I read this. Um, Vincent would later write to a reverend, I have never done any harm at any rate and I am not a danger to anyone. So sad. He, like, just could not understand why they would hate want him so him, much. Like, hate him so much. Like, I get... I understand people being afraid of him. Absolutely. As, like, and as, I would understand as much as that sucks, it, I understand, I understand it, it. it was like, he wouldn't seek treatment and they were like, we're doing this because we care about you. You need treatment. But that is not what they did. They kicked not the him case. out. They like, ran him out of town. He was trying to get help right. and they told him get out and they like got rid of any semblance of like something normal and protected Sad. in his life. And they were like, get gone. So, after that petition, he's kicked out of the house, and he, again, hops around from, like, he lived with that doctor for a while, and he was in the hospital for a while, and was just sort of, like, floating for a little bit. And then, on May 8th, 1889, Vincent voluntarily admits himself to the St. Paul Asylum in Saint-Rémy, in France. Vincent has two rooms at the asylum, one which he uses as a studio, And after a few weeks of recovering, he's allowed to work while he's there. 
He paints in the asylum and also in the asylum gardens, and he also paints some of the other patients at the asylum. And he asks Theo to send him prints of other artists' work, and he makes, like, his own versions of them. A lot of the stuff he paints while he's in there is um, versions of other artists' work that are really beautiful. His health fluctuates while he's here, so he'll have, like, episodes that will last for weeks or months where he is not very lucid and having a lot of issues. During one of these episodes, he eats some of his paint, and he's restricted to only drawing for a while after that. They, like, take his paint away. Um, I found this very interesting. The only treatment that he seems to have received while he was in the asylum was taking hot and then cold baths twice a week. What? It's like a thing that they did. It was some sort of treatment that they thought helped mental patients. Like shocking like that your was... system with extreme yes. temperatures? Yeah, it was like a, a genuine thing that they did. I mean, but like certainly better than some other treatments. It's certainly better than shock therapy. Yes. But it's not really, it's not a treatment. It's not a treatment, and it's all he got. I I feel like I remember reading that, like, pretty early on he received a couple of medications that he then stopped taking or, like... But also those medications back then were not, like, what we have now. No, 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 no. They were not. I remember once somebody told him to drink medicinal wine, you know, like... Right. Yeah. Um... But you would think that they would be trying other stuff. Right, if he's he... having fits of mania that last a couple of weeks. And he admitted himself into the hospital. Like, right. he wants some sort treatment. of treatment. He doesn't want to, like, some of the other people who were in the asylum, I'm sure, were just put in there because nobody wanted to deal oh, with them. And Probably people almost all of them. Yes, and people don't care if they get treatment or not. Like, and right. I'm sure, like, this, this place doesn't seem terribly bad as asylums in that time period went like it seems like they were actually treating their patients it's just that there was no concept of how any of this yeah yeah but like i just find it very odd that that was the only treatment they gave him because i would have expected them to like be attempting some medication on him you know there just weren't that many medications to choose from i think yeah yeah anyway besides all that when he is feeling well when he's lucid and when he's you know good he is incredibly productive he paints around 150 works during the year that he's in the asylum and the more that you read about this it very much sounds like he had some sort of um bipolar disorder disorder because he would have mania and then depression Mm -hmm. and his mania would sometimes look like dissociative episodes and sometimes it would look like hyper hyper productive and Yeah. yeah So I, 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 you know, we'll never know. We'll never know exactly what he had. There's no way to properly. But that's um, probably best guess. That is probably best guess. Of all the ones that I've heard, that's the one that sounds the most correct to me. Mm -hmm. Not a professional, but that's, you know. Some of the things he painted while he was there were Starry Night is from this period. And his series of Cypress and Olive Trees are also during this period. In January of 1890, Vincent receives the birth announcement for Theo and Joe's son, who they who they have named after him, Vincent Willem Van Gogh, which I think is very sweet. Uh, Vincent writes uh, in a letter to his mother, I'd much rather that he'd call the boy after Pa, whom I've thought about so often these days, than after me. But anyways, as it's done now, I started right away to make a painting for him to hang in their bedroom. Large branches of white almond blossoms against a blue sky. I've heard that one before. I love that painting. It's so beautiful. I've heard that 
section of the letter before yeah about him yeah. talking about painting something for his nephew. for their son yeah um i forgot to mention it earlier i felt like i put it in my nose i guess i forgot that his dad died of a heart attack during one of the periods that he was living with them mm. i think it was in 1885 something like that anyway so this was you know after their right. dad was gone so you would understand him saying that so while Vincent was in the asylum, some of his work was beginning to see some, like, actual real appreciation. A group of artists called Le Vin, is that how you say 20? Vin. Vin, yeah. A group of artists called Le Vin <laughs> displayed some of Vincent's work in their annual exhibition. The art critic Albert Aurier? Mm. Aurier? Uh, that one I don't know. <laughs> produces a positive review of some of Vincent's work and one of his ex- exhibited paintings gets sold. So, like, he is getting appreciated. Unfortunately, it's while he's in the hospital. Yeah. But it's great that his work is starting to see some success. This quote I just so thoroughly enjoyed <laughs> that I wanted to share. Um, at the opening dinner of that exhibition, one of the members of the collective... Uh, Henry de Gros insulted Van Gogh's work. Toulouse-Lautrec demanded satisfac- satisfaction and Signet declared that he would continue to fight for Van Gogh's honor if Lautrec surrendered. De Gros, de Gros apologized for the slight and left the group. Oh, they, they kicked him right out of the group. They sure did. And I really appreciate that because it shows, like, how much all of his friends, like, Well, and it shows him. that even though he was lonely, he did have friends. Yes. And, like, these are the people he met when he was spending that time in Paris. And, like, he he made, like, real actual friends there. And those people loved him so much. It was just, like, they, they needed to stay in Paris to do their work. Right. And he unfortunately couldn't be in Paris to do his work. It was just, like, too much on him. And it just was, like, this horrible set of circumstances where like those people would have been so good in his life and so helpful to him and so like productive but they they just they couldn't work where he was working and he couldn't work where they were working and it just sucked you know it's just an unfortunate thing but i liked that because it showed how much Mm -hmm. they cared about him and believed in his work um vincent starts to feel trapped at the asylum and leaves in may of 1890 he moves to a village near parents called over so he can be close to theo Auvers is also where Dr. Paul Gach lives. Uh, <laughs> he, this is, the I told you it was going to be the whole episode. Yeah. Um, he's an amateur painter and a doctor who has treated other artists. The um, portrait of the doctor who's looking very melancholy. Oh, yes. That's this guy. Um, Vincent starts seeing him and he recommends that Vincent should completely devote himself to his art. Vincent seems to have taken this advice as he completed about a work a day in the final months of his life. Yeah. So in early July of 1890, Vincent goes to visit Theo in Paris. During this visit, Theo tells Vincent that he is thinking of leaving Gopiel and C and that he wants to start his own art dealership. Before this trip, Vincent's health seemed to be improving, but it took another hit after the visit. Uh, Vincent is extremely worried for his brother. He fears that the new venture will leave Theo and Joe destitute and that he will, by extension, be destitute because Theo is still, like, the only thing that is financially supporting Vincent. Um, Vincent feels like a burden to his brother and is worried about the financial stability of his brother's family and of himself because it's all he has. 
this is just a little side note before we talk about um, Vincent's death, about the last thing that he painted. For a while, many believed that Vincent's last pan- painting was Wheatfield with Crows. Right. Very famous. But experts have since said that there was probably about seven paintings that were made after this one. Hmm. It is currently believed that the unfinished work Tree Roots was actually his last work, which is one that I hadn't really seen before, and it's very interesting hmm. looking. It's a, it's a cool painting. Anyway. So, it's about to get sad, y'all. Yeah. This, I, uh, gets me every time. Okay. On July 27th, 1890, Vincent leaves the Raveau Inn where he had been staying to go paint for the day. The Raveau family who own the inn are concerned when Vincent is late for his dinner. Vincent returns to the inn later than normal, uh, staggering and injured. Raveau asks him what happened and Vincent reportedly said either I wounded myself or I tried to kill myself. I've heard both written down. It is believed that Vincent went out to a wheat field and shot himself in the chest with a gun that he took from Raveau. The bullet hit a rib, which caused it to avoid any internal organs and lodged itself near his spine. Vincent probably passed out and returned injured to the inn after he woke up. I can't believe he was able to walk back. I know. It's because it didn't hit any organs. Yeah, but I mean, it was the so bleeding close to his was spine, it could have paralyzed yeah. him. Uh huh. Yeah. And the bleeding was really bad, yeah. but he, yeah. And um, he had been out there for a while because he passed out. So yeah. he had already bled so much. Yeah. Um, that is the closest approximation that we will ever know that happened to him. That's what it seems like pretty confidently. I will mention. T- there is a theory that Vincent did not shoot himself, but was actually shot by some schoolboys who had mocked him, and that Vincent told people that he shot himself to protect the boys. If you want to learn more about this, watch the BuzzFeed Unsolved episode they did about Vincent it's very Van Gogh. It's very interesting. I will say that this theory has been largely disproved, um, but it is fascinating. Uh, but the reason it's been disproved is that Vincent had with him an unfinished letter to Theo that sounded like a suicide note when he shot himself. The last sentence of the letter says, All well, I risk my life for my own work and my reason has foundered in it. But what can you do? And it was like unfinished and he had been writing. It appears that that's what he was going to send to Theo. And the gun that Vincent used was also found some years later in that wheat field um, when it was like being dug up. And that's why that theory has been largely disproven. Yeah, although the note to me also seems a little weird because if he was writing a suicide note, don't you think he would have finished it before he shot himself? Yeah, yes. Unless he was struck by like some sort of episode of uh, that's mania not or what depression. Do though? I know, I know, I don't know. Um, but it's like he, you know, he told people that he had shot himself, and most people seem to believe that. The theory that he did not do it is very, very interesting, but I, I tend to believe that that's what happened. I don't know. I'm not convinced either way yet. <laughs> so when Vincent returns to the end, two doctors attend to him, but are unable to remove the bullet without a surgeon. Theo arrives at Vincent's side in the morning of July 28th. Uh, Vincent appears to be in good spirits, but soon becomes ill from an untreated infection, infection from the wound. Vincent Van Gogh dies very early in the morning on July 29th, 1890, at age 37. Theo would later say that Vincent's last words were, the sadness will last forever. 
Vincent left behind 850 paintings and 1,300 works of art on paper, which is a lot of art to make in the amount of time that he was an artist, because he wasn't an artist for his whole life, and that is a lot of art to make. It is. It's a lot. Uh, Theo sends out funeral invitations to Vincent's friends and colleagues while Vincent's coffin is being made. On July 30th, they lay Vincent out in the painter's room of the inn that he was staying at and surrounded him with many of his works and yellow flowers. The funeral service is performed in that room as the priest didn't think it was appropriate to hold a service for him for a suicide in the church. That's common. Yeah. Uh, it's good that the priest performed one at all. Yeah, I'm surprised that, that he even got a service by a, a priest. Yeah. They take his body to the Auvers Cemetery where they bury him. Theo would later write to their mother, if he could have seen how people behaved toward me when they when he left us and the sympathy of so many for himself at that he would at that moment not have wanted to die makes me very sad um six weeks after vincent died theo arranges a memorial exhibition of his work after this theo starts to get sick and he dies on january 25th 1891 only six months after vincent had died it's like um our girls Girls. Constance and Eva. Oh, yes. I was like, our girls. Yeah. I, I forgot their names for a second. <laughs> Theo is buried in a word that I can't say in a town. Okay. Uh, but Joe has his body exhumed and moved to be buried next to Vincent in 1914. Oh, go Joe. Joe. Joe is about to go Eliza Hamilton on us yes. here in a sec. Um, after Theo dies, all of Vincent's paintings are left to Joe. Joe will go on to move and remarry, but she spent the rest of her life promoting Vincent's work. She loans his paintings to museums and sells them to respected buyers, and in 1914, she publishes a volume of Theo and Vincent's letters. So she's the reason we know their story. That's like, amazing. literally, she's, it's, She was the publicist Eliza. he always needed. Yeah, for real. But, like, you know, she could have kept those letters, and I'm sure we would have gotten them eventually, but she decided, like... Well, and she decided to make people pay attention. Yeah. Yeah. Nobody would have cared. They would have found them later and everybody would have been like, oh, these are nice. Yeah. But because she went out there and said, this is an artist and a genius and and you should be paying attention. Yeah. Well, and I'm sure that all of his friends that had been trying to help him promote, like, helped her and said, you know, like, all of those artists who found, thought he was a genius, even though the general public might not have, were like, look at this, pay attention to this. Mm-hmm. Like, they they worked together to make people understand what a genius he was. Um, Joe dies in 1925, and Vincent's paintings are left to her son, Vincent, who was, you know, named after right. our Vincent. Uh, Vincent will also loan the paintings to museums and will publish a complete four-volume set of all of Vincent and Theo's letters in the 1950s. Oh. In 1962, he transfers his collection to the Vincent Van Gogh Foundation. Vincent's works would be permanently displayed in the Vincent Van Gogh Museum, which opened in 1973, and that's still where they all are today, with the exception of ones that are owned by private buyers or or that are on loan to other museums. Yep. Those are the people. That's the Dutch government arranged all of that and keep the museum running. Oh, Vincent. That's Vincent. That's his life. He's my favorite painter of all time. Yeah, I, love I love him, him like literally so much. I he's my favorite. I one of the first episodes of Doctor Who I ever saw was the Vincent Van Gogh episode oh. and I just like 
shook me to my core. It is and I, a tearjerker. Ever since then, I have just been like, yeah, like he's he's just my favorite. Yeah. Which, by the way, I watched that episode when I was doing my research last night. Incredibly historically inaccurate. But that's oh the yeah, point. But- <laughs> yeah. Who cares? Like it's so beautiful. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. Yeah. And it's hard because a lot of people take his life and they promote that very damaging yes. narrative of the tortured artist who like created his best when work he was in while pain. he was in pain. Mm. But I'll say, if you know his story, mm-hmm. he created his best work when he was trying to get oh, better. Oh, that's exactly what I was going to say. And his paintings are not sad. They're full of no. joy. And that was his whole yes. thing. He wanted brightness and light and joy. He he created those things when he was in moments of right. joy. And when he was fighting off the sadness. Or, when, or if not, he was sad, he wasn't painting to wallow in his sadness he was painting to come out of his sadness it was his therapy like it's like that work kept him alive for a long 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 time and the other thing is that people think that like those tortured geniuses or whatever like had to be tortured to create what they did but i just don't think that's true now would he have created in the same way no but i think if he wasn't depressed he still would have been an incredible artist because it was a skill that he had and he was able to take whatever his life was and put it into his paintings. But I I think it's so important that we learn about him now and we start changing that narrative. Absolutely. Because for so long, that's been the only thing anybody knew about his life was, oh, the tortured genius. Well, and it's not just him. It's not just him. But, like, he popularized that. That's, like, people latched on to that narrative by using his life. But when you learn about him, you understand that every, all of that beautiful stuff that he created was while he was trying to get better. Like, he chose, like, he wanted to be better. He put himself in a hospital and in quiet places that would heal him. And he spoke to doctors and, like, he wanted to be well. It is tragic that his illness, like, tortured him in such a way. But he wanted to be well and he used his art to help himself and not to wallow in his pain. And I just think that's so important to him and his life and his story. Totally agree. That's that's my rant on Vince Van Gogh. Because I love him so much and I get so angry when people were like, oh yeah, that crazy guy that cut off his ear. Like, Like, if you understood what a beautiful and kind man he was you would never say that about him you know like if you only took a moment to learn about him in his life you would understand that that's not what right. it was you know right i love him very much i can't believe it's taking me this long to do an episode yeah. on him <laughs> i knew you would eventually yeah he's my fave well we're running a little long so i feel like we shouldn't we don't really need to do an autofill or yeah this was kind of a a, a little bit of a sad one but yeah. It's still a good yeah. story. and It's a very good story. An important piece of art history. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, if you have suggestions for what you would like us to talk about next time, listeners, um, or if you have questions or anything like that, um, you can send them to rememberthatpod at gmail.com or you can tweet at us at rttpod and um, tell your friends about our show. Yeah. I love seeing tweets from people recommending the show. It's so Me too. It makes me great. really happy. So it makes us really happy and 
if you like if you like the show share it with a friend if you have a friend who likes van gogh and wants to know more about his life send him this episode yeah it's a good way to learn yeah um if you want to find me on on the social medias i am at the real anna webb across all of the different platforms and i am at acw nerdfighter all over the internet everywhere on the internet all right well i don't know what we're doing next time but uh we'll figure it out i'll think of something yep (laughs) all right well then until next time remember that time Mm -hmm.